So our hymn you have in your white sheet, When in the Hour of Utmost Need. The tune and the text are both quite familiar to us. Um, there is a, uh, a couple of war stories that, that go with this hymn, as, as I found that both the hymns have some kind of connection. Um, nevertheless, the, uh, uh, the 19th century uh, uh, historian that, that came up with the war story, it may not be accurate. They've had some other information that realized that the hymn goes back a little further. Nevertheless, the, uh, the struggles and such still figure into, if you want to make a theologian, if you want someone that can write a hymn, you got to give them trouble. Here's the trouble. While returning home from study at the gymnasium, which, which was their high school of sorts, at Ansbach in 1524, he came home from study because of the onset of a serious illness, which that also is kind of a familiar uh, thing back then. Paul Aber was thrown from his steed and painfully towed for more than a mile, ultimately leaving him permanently disabled. Because of the illness and the frightening personal tragedy that followed, it should should be of no surprise that the theologian and hymnographer considered by Julian as second only to Luther among the Wittenberg bards would many years later put pen to paper and compose a hymn that speaks of great sorrows, wrapped in endless days of anxious thought and helpless counsel, and yet pays glad thanksgiving to the one whose grace abounds. So it tells us about the uh, theologian Paul Aber. Um, uh, This hymn has been used in connection with uh, several uh, wars, as well as those several times where uh, someone was defeated and, and sang this hymn in response to their uh, defeat. Um, at one point, a, uh, uh, a pastor took his choir boys and went over to the enemy camp that was uh, continuing to shell them and, and all to try to ask for mercy because they did not work before, and they came and sang this hymn. Uh, to them, and the uh, uh, officer actually recognized the pastor as a childhood friend and um, stopped the, uh, the war and treated them somewhat well. So um, there's a couple of those stories that go with it. But uh, this is what we have, uh, the writer Paul Aber. Uh, the text of this particular uh, hymn, uh, Second Chronicles, you expect a psalm. You expect uh, something. Chronicles, really. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. King Jehoshaphat uh, is being uh, uh, attacked in war. And um, uh, he wants uh, and, and doesn't know what he should do. Uh, appears that they're going to simply come over him. And uh, the prophet uh, says to him, The Lord will fight your battle. You need not worry. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, The Lord turns the enemies against themselves, and they are taken care of. But this idea of being in the hour of utmost need, not knowing where to turn and what's going to happen, and yet here is the answer uh, that, uh, that comes. So, when earthly measures fail, all hope seems lost, here's your hymn. When in the hour of utmost need, we know not where to look for aid. We know not where to look for aid. What does that mean? When in the hour of utmost need, we know not where to look for aid. Probably because we're being emotional and not remembering. And old Adam really pops out when we're being emotional. Maybe. I, I would definitely say that's the part. Because we naturally always look to ourselves to get out of the problem first. Yeah. You know, we come, we hear, you know, we know, oh, 
I can pray to my God. Oh, I've got the Word of God. I've got, you know. But in the hour of utmost need, don't remember anything. Don't, right? Um, you know, someone says, I'll pray for you. And you kind of go, oh, prayer. I, um, you know, uh, the, uh, yeah. So when this happens, uh, we, we, it's as if we don't know where to look for aid. Uh, maybe there's a reason why we ought to gather on Sundays and Wednesdays to remind ourselves so that when that hour comes, we might remember. When days and nights of anxious thought, nor help nor counsel yet have brought, there are times in which the counsel, the help, Delays. There are times at which the Lord does not answer immediately. The Lord does not bring relief immediately. It's not that he hasn't heard. It's not that he doesn't care. Um, but there may be for a time days and nights of anxious thought. Uh, we know the scriptures speak about this. They speak about perseverance. They speak about, you know, you don't just pray once, but you continue at this, or, or you hold to it despite uh, these things. It teaches us uh, endurance. Stanza two. Then this our comfort is alone, that we may meet before thy throne. That we may meet. And cry, O faithful God, to thee, and cry, O faithful God, to thee, for rescue from our misery. For rescue from our misery. So, our comfort is we've got the throne of God. Uh, we can come before that. Our sins have been forgiven. We're a child of God. The Lord has said, "Come, come to me." The throne of God. In, 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 in Lutheran uh, uh, theology is always a reference to the forgiveness of sins. It's always a reference to the justification that Jesus Christ has won for us. Um, when we talk about coming to the throne of God, it's not something we do. It's coming to where God has set up the throne of grace. There may be thrones, there may be altars, but where is the grace found? Well, God has, has given that uh, uh, to us. And so, uh, we cry for rescue uh, because, yes, uh, there is misery. Stanza number three. To thee may raise our hearts and eyes, repenting sore with bitter sighs, and seek thy pardon for our sin. And seek thy pardon for our sins. And respite from our griefs within. And respite from our griefs within. So, when we come to our God, uh, uh, and and we remember that that we may pray, we may come before him, well, the first thing we do, just as we have first thing we do with divine service, is repenting of our sins and seeking the pardon for our sins. Um, We can come even with that. That doesn't prevent, oh, well, I can't go to God. I've got sin. No. That's why I go. I go to him repenting and asking the pardon for my uh, sins as well as asking for the things I don't deserve. I respite, uh, uh, release from the, the, the griefs. And here it talks about the griefs within. Uh, those are usually the worst. Um, there are many things that happen on the outside, but it's the things on the inside that uh, uh, can make it seem such, so terrible, so terrible. Stanza number four relates to the word promises. For thou hast promised graciously graciously to hear all those who cry to thee. To hear all those who cry to thee. So, when you come before God in prayer, when you come, you've confessed your sins, uh, uh, um, what do we come holding up? Uh, what 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 is it when uh, when Moses uh, when the Israelites worship a golden calf and God's going to destroy them and He says to Moses, "I'm going to destroy those hard 
stiff-necked people, and I'm going to make you into someone. And Moses prays. And what does he say to God? Yeah. I, you, you don't hold up your good deeds. You don't hold up anything you've done. You don't have, you know, I, what do you hold up? God. Like you said to me. You promised, you know. You told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you, you know, you brought them out of Egypt. You know, I, here's what you promised. When we hold God to his promises, that is... The way that we pray. That's why we can say amen to our, our, our prayers. Uh, you've promised to hear us. You know, I've heard people say that Moses changed God's mind, but really wasn't he reminding him of his will? Yeah. yeah. Um, it says in that text that, that the Lord relented and did not bring, you know. Um, it speaks in human ways about our um, human ways that, that God acts. But I mean, what, what do we know? Um, you know, just like Jonah, God threatens to punish. But when there is someone holding to his promise, when there is, yeah, the Lord doesn't do it. It's not that the Lord is fickle. I mean, yeah. Um, so here we have his gracious promise to hear those who cry to him. And so we hold that up. Uh, we, we know. I, I don't pray because I'm so good. I don't pray because I got the best prayers ever. I pray because you promised to hear me and you promised to answer. Through him whose name alone is great, our Savior and our Advocate. So this is the one, the name that we drop. Um, you have promised and you promised to do it through Jesus, your son, through the Savior, the Advocate. You know, it's, it's the only name that we can drop. Uh, um, uh, so often I, I hear people that, that, that will, you know, ask me something or whatever, and, and you, you start to have a conversation, and they'll say, well, my, you know, my grandma was, was a Lutheran. So do you go to church? Well, my grandma was, and, you know, there's always somebody somewhere that is their religious amulet that they uh, uh, shine up just a little bit to get them to pray for them because they're not trusting in the promise. Stanza 5, And thus we come, O God, today, and all our woes before thee lay. For sorely tried, cast down we stand, perplexed by fears on every hand. And so we have this misery uh, uh, again uh, that uh, here we are and we've got woes and we're perplexed and we don't know. What do we say? Stanza six. Ah, hide not for our sins thy face. Absolve us through thy boundless grace. But with us in our anguish still. Free us at last from every ill. And so we hear the absolution, the absolution, uh, being absolved, and then the uh, 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 going with us. Uh, stanza seven. That so with all our hearts we may. That so with all our hearts we may. To thee our glad thanksgiving pay. To thee our Then walk obediently to thy word. Then walk obedient to thy word, and now and ever praise thee, Lord. And now and ever praise thee, Lord. So the thanksgiving that follows after, as well as the obedience to his word, the keeping of his word and praise. All right, first, first line we'll sing. When in the hour of utmost need, we know not where to look for aid. When days and nights of anxious thought, nor help nor counsel yet have brought. All right, set that aside. We'll sing that one in just a little bit.
On the Lord's Prayer, we've taken a look at the introduction, our Father who art in heaven. We've looked at hallowed be thy name. We saw that the name of God is kept holy among us when we teach rightly. We have his name put on the correct teaching, so his name is glorified. And when we live according to that word, so his name is placed upon us and we uh, 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 honor that uh, name given in our, our baptism. With the second petition, thy kingdom come. What does this mean? Answer. The kingdom of God comes indeed. The kingdom of God comes indeed. Without our prayer of itself. Without our prayer of itself. But we pray in this petition that it may count that it may come unto us also. How is this done? The answer, when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace, we believe His Holy Word and lead a godly life, here in time and hereafter in eternity. So, the name of God is kept holy. You would say when when the church is is preaching out the the word of God uh, and it is teaching it rightly and and correctly, the kingdom of God comes to us when we enter into that kingdom. That is when we believe His holy word. When we hear the teaching according to the life and we live according to it, we are shown to be in God's kingdom. Um, When we have confessed our sins and received forgiveness, and then we live in that forgiveness, the kingdom of God has come to us. Thy kingdom come. We pray in this uh, petition that the kingdom might come to others, that they might have Faith created by the word uh, so that they are one of the believers. Uh, We pray that uh, we who believe, that we might live in that kingdom in all of our vocations, in our life, in all of the situations that that we find ourselves. Uh, That is the way that that the kingdom of God comes when we believe and then uh, uh, speaks of leading a holy life. So, Let me give you some uh, example. The kingdom of God. It comes for us. When what? Acts 2. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Ah. So, on Pentecost, the apostles did what? What did they do? They preached. They preached the word. They preached in many languages. They preached the word out. What happened? Three thousand people came to be baptized that day, and the Holy Spirit came. We know the Holy Spirit creates faith. What did those people do? They continued steadfast in the doctrine and hearing it, in breaking of bread, prayers. Oh, sorry, what was the other one? I skipped over. Fellowship, coming together. Yeah, that showed what? This is what we're desiring to happen for us. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. What? These are called what? Fruits of the of the Spirit. So, having been given the Spirit, we're saying, ah, let the kingdom come to me that I might live in love, and joy, and peace. When these things, I show that I have faith in Christ. Um, so this is what the Lord is, is desiring for us um, as well. Um, Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And it goes on, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
singing and making melody in your heart to God, giving thanks always for all things. What does it mean to live in the kingdom? To sing, to give thanks, to, to, to have the psalms, the hymns. Ah, the kingdom of God has come. Uh, those are the things. We pray also for the kingdom of God as it, uh, not just for, for us, but, but for others, uh, that they might come for us as well. Uh, Paul, when he was uh, uh, writing to... Um, uh, wait, 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 writing. When Paul was before King Agrippa, he was giving his message concerning the Christian faith, just as, as we would witness to our neighbor when we can. And King Agrippa said, you, you expect me to come to believe? You, you want me to be like you? He goes, well, except for these chains, I, I wish you were like me. I wish you had faith in Christ. Um, yes, that's, that's my desire. My desire is that the kingdom of God uh, might come to you as well. First uh, Timothy says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So we're also in our actions wishing to uh, uh, convert others, to speak to them about the Savior that we have. And that also means confessing the sins that we have committed uh, uh, to them and, and not being haughty, uh, um, but uh, uh, speaking in this way. So this is the way the kingdom of God comes here and now in time. There's also our prayer that the kingdom of God might come not just by faith, which, which is what we have with the word, but it also comes by sight. When does the kingdom of God come by sight? On the last day. On the last day, or on our last day, in which God transfers us from this world to his heavenly world, and uh, uh, the kingdom of God comes to us. We're finally released from our sinful nature, and, and we no longer need to struggle against it. So, if we didn't have sin, we wouldn't have to pray for ourselves, thy kingdom come. Because we'd be in heaven. And there you don't. But because we're here, praying thy kingdom come, why? Because I don't have love and, and joy and, and peace. And there are times I'm not continuing in the apostles' doctrine. I'm going off doing my own thing. Um, and I don't always want to give thanks to the Lord and, and pray to him and praise his holy name. Yeah, that's why I keep praying thy kingdom come, uh, that this might, uh, uh, the faith and the fruits of faith might follow uh, for me and, and come to me. So that's what we see with the, uh, uh, the second petition. Um, all of that comes by means of the Holy Spirit. Questions? All right, First Thessalonians 4, verse 14. I don't think it's on the back of that one. Sometimes I include it. Nope, not tonight. All right. Let me turn to it. Skip over Did I put it on the back? Oh, of the hymn. That's where it is. I couldn't remember where where I had that. First Thessalonians four fourteen. There we go. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. There was a little concern of the Thessalonians that those who had, there were people dying in the congregation, and maybe they would be at a disadvantage. Uh, these who had died before the Lord returned. And Paul lets them know that, no, this is not the case. Um, in fact, you know, they, uh, uh, we will both receive that. Uh, we believe that he died and rose again. We believe it will raise them up and us as well. So, all right.
go ahead and get started. Oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The reading's on the back of the bulletin, Matthew chapter 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, Those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This is God's word. Our hymn, When in the Hour of Utmost Need. Perplexed thy fears on every hand. 
hide not for our sins thy face, absolve us through thy boundless grace, be with us in our anguish still, free us at last from every ill. That so with all our hearts we may To Thee our glad thanksgiving pay Then walk obedient to Thy word And now and ever praise Thee, Lord We've had several parables recently uh, that say, For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like... And we say, ah, he's talking about the church. Um, so it's comparing one thing and another. We've got a little comparison at verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Hmm. So what's that comparison about? Uh, Flashing is to be compared to the coming of Christ. What about that? Dan? Everyone's going to see him. Everyone's going to see him? All right, so this this flashing light, like uh, lightning, lights up the sky, you know, nobody... When it's there, it's there. It's there, we all... What was that? Um... Yeah, everyone gets to see it. Yeah, no one's going to go, hey, I, I kind of missed it. Um, you know, I just wasn't reading the news that day. It kind of went by. Yeah, maybe not. Well, you don't know, you don't know when it's going to happen. And it's, and it's basically instantaneous. Yes. Yes. Um, good. Good. We don't know when it's going to happen. Like the flashing of light. We don't know when that's going to happen. But, but when it's done, done. Uh, instantaneous, it happens, that's it. Um, do you, you know, do you got... How long do you have to get ready? All your whole life. <laughs> wow, that was a good one. What did Dan say? You said all your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because once that comes, that's not. And so, yes, it's letting us know that when the Lord returns, um, you know, unlike uh, some of these millennial kind of things, that pre-millennial Christ comes back and then there's going to be a whole bunch of things happen and, and I, I, no no yeah. the last day's coming and when the last day hits that's it um, there's I, no I often wonder why they believe that because if you don't believe the first time why, why are you going to believe the second time mm-hmm. well I, I mean you're exactly I mean so 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 the, the usual line is that what happens? Christ comes back, he raptures away all believers, and then, and so then I'm going, so what about the rest of these people? You know, all the ones that are left are not believers, and they're going to now come to believe? Without any preaching? Without any, I mean, you're, I mean, it's, yeah. I have a Bible somewhere, read it, and it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone will, you know, as you're, you're like rapturing up, you can drop your Bible down, you know. and. and I guess I guess you don't. Right. I also keep building on this. I read something the other night from Galatia talking about when he comes, he will fetch down to such and such and such a spot in Jerusalem, and we'll enter from and we'll enter Jerusalem to such and such a boarded up gate. Like, where? I, mean, I can't find that anywhere in Scripture. Okay. Right. Yeah, so he'll rule on earth, and he's going to go out from there, and there's going to be, you know... But it um, sells. It sells. People like that story. Yes, they do. So that's how they, they also they buy the rest of this baloney, because they like the story. Very good, very good. And and um, and this is nothing new. No. Um, the theologians talk about this, and they, and they say, you know what? This is the exact same Jewish misunderstanding when Christ came the first time, just as... You know, Pastor Ian was saying, um, they were all expecting an earthly kingdom, an earthly whatever. Now, it's it, 
that's what that is. And so, you know, all of a sudden Christ comes back and they're like, oh, well, now we're going to talk about that earthly kingdom again. Yeah, you got it wrong. Um, Karen, you had your hand. You know, there. You know, I I do think that. uh, All right, so you've got the church, and I'm sorry that the church cares about spiritual things. We care about faith. We care about love. We care about the things that the Lord has has told us. The world doesn't care about those things. The world cares about outward pomp. You know, they don't want a humble king riding on a donkey. They want a ruler that gives them stuff and overcomes the enemies. And, and it's all, you know, we talk about uh, um, the, the, the heart that God is, humble heart. No, no. They want someone who can go around and, you know, uh, uh, float like a butterfly and sting like a bee and beat everyone. And, and that's, that's the thing. What do we have with the church? You know, we have those in the church then that teach this kind of stuff. And so you also have to say, well, well, what is your biblical interpretation principle then? You know, you're obviously not looking for faith. You're not looking for love. You're not looking for, you know, the spiritual king that comes. What are you looking for? It's the outward stuff again. I mean, that's what they're, that's what they're gonna look for. Um, the best that you can say about it is this. There will be an outward kingdom, and that's called heaven. And there, the king will rule, and everything will be right. And every knee will bow. And I mean, it's, it's, it's all good there. But you're not going to get that here on earth. You're not going to get that. The only way you get that is through your death. Um, so, you know, the best thing that you can say is they've confused... The heaven and, and the church, uh, those 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 two things. Uh, in this passage, the typical passage, uh, two big words: abomination of desolation, <laughs> um, which kind of we're going to uh, triple self a little bit. The d- prophet Daniel talked about the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Let's parse this out a little bit. There is a holy place um, in the Old Testament. We're always talking about the temple. We're always talking about Jerusalem, the, uh, the, uh, the holy place. That, that is the place which God has set apart for himself. Um, okay, there's going to be an abomination, a terrible thing. Uh, not just a little, not something's a little off. It's going to be uh, um, uh, uh, terribly offensive. That is going to be, and it'll be in the holy place. And what is it going to cause? It's going to cause there to not be life there. Desolation is when you go out into a uh, a wilderness and you go, boy, this place is forsaken. There's nothing here. Not, you know, nothing can grow. Um, but the holy place was supposed to be a place of life. It was supposed to be a place where God was and he was giving out his life. But because of the abomination that comes and is now in the holy place, it will be desolate. And we would say of the true teaching, of God, of of believers. Desolate. So how does this happen? This abomination of desolation. He says that, that, it's, that it's coming. Um... In this particular passage, we have Jesus, and he's speaking of this uh, coming soon to Jerusalem, 70 AD, uh, where Jerusalem is going to be surrounded. They're going to come in. 
uh, and then they're going to uh, destroy. He says in verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Jesus tells them before this, he, he lets them know ahead of time, and then he tells them to get out, get out of there. Uh, Go to the mountains. Get out there. That, the, there's a safe haven out out there. Um, that's where we're. That's 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 what they were supposed to do. They did. Uh, they went to Perga. They went over to, uh, and, and got away uh, from from that, and were were not destroyed when when the Romans came in and, and destroyed that. For us too, we've been warned about what would be offensive things in the Holy Temple, in the church itself. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, it, it, it's, it happens all the time. Um, you know, uh, Brian came back from a, a wedding. He said, this is the first time I have ever had a pastor lead a wedding in which God's name was not mentioned and no scripture was read and there was no prayers. What, what part? I mean, what, what pastor? You know, yeah, missed all three of those. I don't know what was left. I mean, I, I, I have no clue. Um, Jacob tells us about a Lutheran choir in Minneapolis, and they had some presentation uh, that they did on All Saints Day, and and uh, Jacob said, "Well, I thought maybe I'd be interested in you know singing in a, this big Lutheran choir. You know, we've got a couple CDs from." 20 years ago they're really good he goes it's Gnostic he goes it was crazy stuff he said and I, I he goes I, I can't do that much less someone that puts Lutheran on that um, so you know is there abominable stuff that we need to flee from no just sit there it's okay just just take it just take it you know you can do no get out um, you, you shouldn't be there there's no life left there we gather around, well, the word, the sacrament, the true teaching, where there is forgiveness, not around this abominable stuff that, that, that creates desolation. Uh, so we may have to flee. We have to flee to the mountains. They're, they're, we may have to leave the, the big temple, but uh, there are places where, where we can go. Our Lord is warning us about these things. You don't want to be where there's desolation. What about two? He's also warning us, uh, you ought to pray that it doesn't happen uh, in the wintertime or on the Sabbath. How come? What if it's winter? Hard to travel, hard to get away. Um, there are always going to be difficulties uh, what about those who are pregnant? Woe to those who are pregnant and nursing babies. Um, doesn't make stuff what's the life about to have a baby or a little And be fleeing from into the mountains. Um, yeah, there, there, there can be quite uh, uh, difficulties that go uh, with this and all. Nevertheless, and the Lord says, pray. Why does He want us to pray? Promise to hear us. He's promised, and so by our prayer, he'll make sure that doesn't happen. And is he's still running in his way. He is telling us. Yes. If those days weren't shortened, uh, even the elect would have trouble. The, the believers would have trouble. But the Lord is already looking ahead. He already knows. He's going to make it so there is a way out. He's going to make it so that uh, we will not be, uh, uh, the days will be shortened. He lengthens, you might say, uh, in order that there might be mercy, that he might convert, and yet he also shortens to make sure that his believers don't uh, uh, lose their faith in, in a long period that they cannot withstand. He'll, he provides, he takes care. Um, and finally, he wants to uh, uh, teach us in regards to, just as we mentioned at the beginning, uh, his return on the last day, uh, that we need not look for his coming. Look, here he is, there he is, go check this out. He says no. Um, uh, 
his days of being here, three years, his days of uh, walking with the disciples after his resurrection for 40 days, um, that, that is all. The next time we see him, he will be coming back on the last day. Um, and so, yes, we ought to take this as a, a, a warning ahead that we use the entire life that we have that we might be ready uh, for his return. Questions? All right. What about the last sentence there, the eagles and the... Uh, you want to know? You want to know about that one? Yeah. Um, the eagles are the... Do they call them birds of prey kind of thing? Um, are eagles part of that? Eagles yeah. and vultures yeah. and... Um, they always call them kind of like birds of prey. I saw a presentation one time where they had them when they were going out and getting stuff, you know, and and, and all. Uh, what do they do? They're always seeking, as it says here, the carcasses. And you can always tell when there's a dead carcass because they're gathered around it. Um, that is the image that that we know. You know, especially you see the circling. You kind of go, ooh, something's dead around here. You know, they're all coming. Uh, the question is, what does it refer to when Jesus says this? There are two things that would actually fit the context, and I, I kind of explain it every year. The one context is this. Uh, the Jewish faith had rejected the Savior. They, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of that kind of stuff. Jesus came. They will have nothing to do with it. Their religion was a dead, putrefying, rotting carcass. And so the Romans came and circled around it and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And that may be that that's the reference to the uh, vultures, the eagles gathering around the carcass. You know, God's done with that faith. He's now moving on to the New Testament because they've rejected. So that could be. That's the negative. The positive explanation of this is that just like this happens with eagles around uh, uh, food... Source. So also this may be Jesus talking about his believers who are always gathered around the word and sacrament where there is life. And so you might say, oh, there's uh, uh, the word's going on. Yep, there's going to be believers gathering around. You've come to eat it up. That's the positive explanation. Um, I don't know which one this is. Um, maybe it's one of those intentional... Uh, Ones where the Lord has law and gospel and he's teaching them both for us. Uh, don't be that one. Be that one. Uh, Alright, I'll grab my pink sheet and we'll start. Ten Commandments. Help me out. Pastor, Apostles' Creed. Mark, large prayer. Man, baptism. Dan, confession, Karn, and sacrament of the altar. Hey, Cecil, thank you. Let us pray. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. The law of God reproves all sin and breaks God's wrath. The law requires the entire confidence of the whole heart of man. In repentance, we acknowledge our sin, that there is no good in us without faith. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. In addition to temporal blessings, the Heavenly Father has given to us through the preaching of the gospel by the Holy Spirit 
our whole redemption and salvation obtained by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. It is therefore certain that we're justified by faith in Christ alone, not on account of our merits. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Christian baptism, water connected with the Word, is truly God's own work received by faith, and it might impart salvation and comfort in us in affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are surely reconciled to God as if we heard a voice from heaven. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. We approach the sacrament in order to receive the treasure of Christ's body and blood through an endless Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, we implore you, show your mercy unto your humble servants, that we who put no trust in our own merits may not be dealt with after the severity of your judgment but according to your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 